Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series is If Money Could Talk, Part 2, Whose Kingdom Comes First, featuring Michael Davis. Well, last week we started a new series called If Money Talked, and we talked about if, if your money could talk, let's say that it was for you, right? Let's say that it wasn't against you. Let's say it was your friend and it was for you. It, it would say some things that you probably already know, some things that would make you go, yeah, I, I'm sure. But the main thing that we talked about last week, it's going to be here on the screen. It was talking about if money could talk, it would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. Right? I can add meaning to your life. Let's not kid ourselves, right? Money can add meaning to our life, but only if it's used as a means to an end. And being a means to an end, being a means to an end is really what gives life meaning. I mean, if you think about it long enough, if you think about it practically, you know that this is true. Uh, this week, I went and got a, a new tattoo this week. And my, ta- yeah, thanks, I guess. I didn't know you were excited about that. Uh, I'll go get more. Okay, tell my wife. Um, but I, I'm sitting there, or I'm laying there, actually. I'm laying on this table with my arm out. And the tattoo, we start, we get started, right? And the tattoo go- artist goes, so I've never tattooed a pastor before. I've always wanted to ask. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life. Like, oh, I have a pastor trapped here for the next four hours? Let me quiz them for a minute. And I'm going, oh, God, today is going to be a work day. Okay, we're going to do that. And so I basically just regurgitated this to him, right? That, that life is only meaningful when we are a means to an end, being a means to an end is what gives life meaning. He goes, are you sure about that? And I'm like, D- really? Do we want to do this? And, and, you know, again, my head's buried. I'm like, does it say you suck on my arm yet? Because that's what I'm expecting to see at the end of this tattoo experience. But I said, well, think about it. I said, how do you know that you lived a purposeful life? How do you know that you lived a meaningful life? And he get, said, I guess at the end of my life, it depends on what people say. If people say I had a meaningful life, then I had a meaningful life. And I said, exactly, right? Being a means to an end is what gives life meaning. And being an end means to an end for somebody else. When it's somebody else is the end and not yourself is the end, that is what gives life meaning. So we talked about this. We talked about using our stuff to make stories. Using our stuff to make stories. It's not for you. It's a tool. And it can give purpose and meaning for your life, but only if it's used as a means to an end. So we want to use our stuff to make stories so that at the end of our life, People tell stories. People come up to our our spouse or our kids or our friends and say, man, thank you. Your daddy, your husband, your wife, man, your your mama, this is what they did for me. They were a means to an end for me. So I left you guys with this question. I said, where are we going to start? Well, I left you with this question. And the question is this. If being a means to an end is what gives your life meaning, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? That's where we have to start. What, what? Do you want people to thank you for at the end of your life? What do you want people to say? What story do you want them to tell? Do you want them to say, man, your daddy loved his truck? Do you want them to say, man, your mama, she loved that Target? I mean, what do you want them to thank you for? What do you want them to talk about? What, What do you want them to say? Being a means to an end is what gives your life meaning. So what end do you want your life to mean? Now today, 
we're going to dive deep. And if, you're, if this is your first time here, I'm so sorry, okay? Uh, I, you know, even just preaching about money, it gets everybody kind of queasy. It gets some, everybody kind of sick, right? And we all know because it, it, it means that much to us. And we're going to talk really heavily about this. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm going to come in a little hot, okay? And if you're a Christian, this is just going to suck for the next, like, 30 minutes, okay? If you're not a Christian, like, you don't have to listen to anything I say. You just nudge your Christian friend and go, good luck with that, buddy. That, that's, that stinks. But I'm going to hold you accountable to that because that's that's going to be hard to do. I mean, but good luck, you know. I mean, that's the kind of situation we're going to be in today, so I just, I just want you to know that, okay. I don't expect anybody at the door this morning to tell me, good sermon, pastor, right. You're probably going to give me another gesture of some kind, okay. I'm just telling you that's kind of where we're headed today, okay. And, and the reason is this, okay. The financial pressure, the financial pressure that many of us feel has less to do with how much we make and more to do with what we did with it. It's starting to get there, isn't it? Yep, we're going to go in it nice and easy, right? The financial pressure that many of us feel has a lot less to do with how much we make and more to do with what we do with it. You know, in, in the U.S., in, in our country, in our culture, it's give me more, give me more, give me more. I need to make more. I need to make more money. But here's the truth, and, and I know we've got a wide variety. We've probably got a wide field of people who make a lot of different incomes, Right? But even if you took the lowest of us, who makes the lowest income, if you, if you told somebody around the world in most countries what you make, they would think you're rich. That's the truth. They would say, you make how much? My goodness, you, you're, you're, your dreams must have come true. And we go, oh, no, 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 no. I only have an iPhone and, you know, a couple streaming services and two cars, and I haven't even got to get the camper that I want yet, you know, because it's all about more, right? And here's the thing. Probably the most common complaint that most of us have in this room, I'll be honest with you, probably the most common complaint that I get told is how much people dislike their job, okay? Any, no amens? Okay. Yeah, like, there we go. All right. All right. Careful. Some of y'all's bosses are in the room. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I don't like my job. My job stresses me out. I don't want to work there. I'm putting my resume out. I'm looking for something else. I mean, it's common. So if you think he's talking about me, I'm not. I'm talking about all Olivia's. Okay. Because it's the most common thing that I hear. And do you know what my response is? Quit your job. Quit your job then quit. Then change. What's your passion? What would you rather do? Well, then go do it. And do you know what's keeping you from doing that? Do you know why people always look at me and go, it's not that simple? It's because of your relationship with money. Because it's not that you couldn't do it. You could do it. You could quit. You could move on. You could get a demotion. You could go part-time. You could be a stay-at-home mom, or you could be a stay-at-home dad. You could have one vehicle. We've got some families. Ask the Hellmans. They do it, okay? One vehicle, one person working, whatever of you do, you know, to teach the kids full-time at home. You could do it. There's people who do it. The reason you can't is because of your relationship with money. Because you would have to change how you treat money, and you can't. And if that's the case, if money is keeping you from what you really want to do in life, here's what's happening. Money doesn't serve you. You serve money. That's the truth. Because I tell people all the time, I, I give people little bits of wisdom like this. Why don't you, why don't you go part-time? Why don't you get, get demoted? Why don't, you, why don't you get a less stressful job? Go ahead and put these up there. I'm waiting for them. 
<laughs> go part-time. Get a demotion. Get a less stressful job. And you know what we say? I can't go part-time. I just bought this vehicle that drags this other vehicle that I want to use all the time. Well, okay. Well, then you know what? Then you serve money. Money doesn't really serve you. You know, get a demotion. Tell them. Say, man, I don't want to be, I don't want to be at this level anymore. I want to go down here. You know what? Put me back. Make me the Walmart greeter, okay? Make me, put me the guy who just gets to stand out there and push the carts and be by myself do that. Well, why can't you do that? Well, because I would only make X amount of money. Well, why do you need to make X amount of money? Because of the way of your relationship with money. Because you'd have to tell yourself no. Because you'd have to stop spending. You might have to, oh my goodness, get a budget, right? You might not be able to upgrade your phone anymore. You know, every time you go in that store and you take your fine, well-working phone and go, please, give me another one. I'd like to keep paying you money, Samsung, right? Or, you know what, get a less stressful job. You know, go, go become a painter. Go become a Walmart greeter. Go and make balloon animals. Be a clown. I don't know. I mean, do it. And you go, well, I can't do that. Why? Why can't you do that? Because of your relationship with money. And if your money could talk, it would say, I'm a better servant than a master. I'm a better servant than a master. But the truth is, is for many of us, money has become our boss. We don't tell our money where to go. Money tells us where to go. It's called debt. It's called bankruptcy. It's called credit cards. And we don't get to choose what we do with our money. Many people have told me, like, oh, Pastor, I would, I would give to the church, but I can't. Why? Because money's become your master, and you don't get to tell your money where it goes. The bank tells you where your money's going to go. Because it's become our master. And if money could talk, it would say, I'm a better servant than a master. And do you know what determines this? What determines this? It's a word that you're going to hate. It's a word that we hate to talk about in our culture. It's a word that we don't teach to our kids anymore. And it's this word right here, self-control. Ooh, yeah. And if money could talk, it would tell you this. It would say, your self-control determines which of us gets control. Yeah. Self-control. Can we show some, some self-control? And do you know what? This is, this, is, this is where it's great, right? This is where faith and finances intersect, okay? Because if you're not a Christian, if you don't follow Jesus, all I can tell you is do better, Okay? All I can tell you is good luck. Wake up, idiot. Get control of this. That's all I can tell you, okay? But if you're a Christian, I can give you so much more because this is where faith and finances intersect. Because take it from Paul. This is what Paul said. Paul said this. He said, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Paul knew that there was this battle within us, right, of what we wanted to do and what we should do. So he encourages. He says, you know what you need to do? Walk by the Spirit. Because when you walk by the Spirit, the Spirit will guide you. The world, they call it the conscience. There's no such thing as a conscience. That's just the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit will tell you what the wise thing to do is. And then he goes on, and he says this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the spirits. Self-control is one of the identifiers of being a follower of Christ, of being a Christian, of being full of the Spirit, along with all of these other things. So Christians, followers of Jesus, should be people of self-control control. Well, how, how in the world do we do that, right? 
And Jesus, he, he addresses this issue. Matthew wrote it down, and this is, this is what Jesus begins to say. He says, no one can serve two masters. This is right after the parable that we shared last week. This is right after that parable. This is what Jesus says next. And if you didn't hear last week's, go back on our podcast, Facebook, YouTube, you can go watch all that. But Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. And he goes on, and he says this. He says, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says these two things are in competition with each other. These masters in your life. Another translation for that word masters is lords. He says there's two lords in your life, right? That's why we say God is our Lord. There's two lords in your life that are in competition for you, for your devotion, for your attention, for your self-control. Two things that, that want to boss you around. Two things that want to guide you. Two, two things that want to be your masters and be your lords. And then he says this. He says, you cannot serve both God and, now all the Christians in the room, don't spoil it for everybody, okay? I want you to think about this because this is so important. This is such an important moment than what Jesus said. I'm so glad that, you know, Matthew was able to, to remember this and write this down and share this with us because this is so, so important. When you think about God, right, who is God's nemesis, who is God's, like, good versus evil? You know, there's the Batman and there's Joker. Well, who is God's Joker, right? Who's the yin to his yang? Who's the opposite of God? You cannot have two masters. You cannot serve both God and, and probably, if you didn't already know what I was going to say, you probably would guess Satan. But that's not what he says. He says you cannot serve both God and money. Think about that for just a minute, how important that is, how heavy and weighty that is. Who is the chief competitor of God? Money. Not even Satan. Not devil. Not evil. Jesus said, you know who God is in competition with? Money. That, that is who he is in competition with. That these two elements are fighting over your heart, trying to control you. God and money. And Jesus says, somebody has to win. Somebody has to win. Because you can't serve both. You cannot have two masters. And, and the truth is, don't, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Don't, don't shoot the messenger. Don't be mad at me, okay? I'm just regurgitating what Jesus said. But here's the truth, right? If, if you haven't surrendered what you have, you haven't really surrendered. And that's hard, Right? And let me give you a classic example of what this looks like, because some of you disagree with me, and I understand that. I know where that comes from, right? You're like, that's not true. I've surrendered my life to Christ. You know, money, money doesn't have me. I have my money. Okay, well, then let me give you a little scenario of how this kind of plays out practically in our world, right? Like, when you are in trouble, you pray to God, right? You say, God, I'm in trouble. Help me. You trust God with your troubles, I mean, when you're in pain, when you're in agony, when you're grieving, you, what do you do? You tell people, pray for me. We, we talk about it, right? We talk about, pray for me, because we, we trust God with our grief. We trust God with our pain. We say, God, I believe you can help me with this, so I trust you with this. So I give my pain over to you. I mean, whenever we're looking for answers or when we sin, right? We even trust God with our sin. God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I did. We trust God with our sin. And then it comes to our money, and we go, no, no, I got that. I got that. 
Wait a minute. So you trust God with your, your grief. You trust God with your pain. You trust God with your troubles. You trust God with your forgiveness. But then when it comes to your money, you can't trust God with that. You're in control of that. You, you, you determine where that goes. So all the other things in your life, you're, you're, you and God, you can trust God. You want to give it to God. But then when it comes to your money, no, uh you can't have that, Lord. That's mine. I earned that. I worked hard for that. I, I decide where that goes. And that's practically what it looks like in most of our lives. We trust God with every area of our life except for money. And here's the thing. It's kind of like dating, right? Right? Like when you're dating somebody, right? Like there's, you, you enjoy each other. It's good. But let's be honest. You, you enjoy each other to the limit in which, you know, it, it's not enjoyable for you. But then when you get married, what determines whether you get married or not is whether you're sur- ready to surrender all of yourself over to that person, right? What's mine is yours, baby. Here you go, right? Here, here's my stuff. Here, here's my money. Here's my income. Here are my kids. Here, here's, my, here's my health. Here's my body. Here, here's, my, here's my life. Here's my schedule. Here's my time. You hand that all over to somebody. And, and really, honestly, I, this is a thing even for marriage. Here's a marriage lesson for you. Until you do that, you will not have true intimacy in your marriage. Until it's a submission competition and you surrender all of yourself over to that person, you will not have true intimacy. And here's the thing. It's the same with God. Until you are ready to surrender all of yourself, including your money, to God, until you're ready to go from dating God to being in an intimate relationship with God, you will not have true intimacy with God. And some of you, you look at me, oh man, I wish I had their relationship with God. I wish I was as close to God as they were. I wish I, wish I, could, I could have what they have. What do I need to do, pastor? Do I need to read my Bible more? Do I need to go to church more? Do I need to do this? No, really, you just need to surrender your whole self, including your checkbook. And you go, I'm out. And you know what? And for some of you, you will never have intimacy with God because of money. And for some of you, it will become such a problem that it will even maybe make you rethink your relationship with God. Because you'll struggle, and you'll get frustrated, and you'll wonder, why isn't this working? But the truth is, it's not God. God's just waiting on you to surrender your whole self to Him. And so Jesus, He, he, he gives us a, a practical thing to do here. He, he goes on, and he, he says this a little bit later. He says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus goes, you know what you need to do? Somebody has to be first. Seek first the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. You're thinking to yourself, but I got bills. I got hospital bills. I got college debt. I got this and that. Well, here's the thing. He explains this. He says, seek first and all these things will be given to you. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Seeking first the kingdom of God, it's not an either or thing. Okay? It's not an either-or scenario. It's a first-then-second scenario. Jesus is not telling you, don't pay your bills. Jesus is not saying, ignore your debt. It's not an either-or scenario. It's a first-then-second. And Jesus says, something has to come first. Something has to come first. And he says, if I'm not first, well, then you won't give it away then you won't use it as a means to an end. Because when you come first, you have a hard time saying no to yourself and yes to others. There has to be a first, second, third, and you have to prioritize these things correctly. And when it comes to the priority and the order in which things have to go, he says, I have 
to come first. And all of us go, but why? But why? I don't like, but why? I don't understand. And here's the reason why I will make it so practical for you. For me, this was an aha moment as I'm staring at my lava lamp in my room, right? I'm like, Lord, speak to me. Let the NyQuil and the lava lamp speak to me, Lord. Tell me what this sermon is supposed to say. That's how I write sermons. Some of you aren't aware of that. Okay, go up in my office. You'll see. All right. Found Derek in there this morning. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, God's speaking to me. I don't know what this thing is, right? Here's what's going on practically, okay? And it's this. We are practicing here on earth what God expects us to do for eternity in heaven. See, here's the thing. Earth is practice. It's not about earning heaven, it's practicing for heaven. And I, don't, I know you were told a lot of things growing up, especially if you grew up in the church, right? They taught you all kinds of songs. You're going to get a big, big house with lots and lots of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where you can play football. Go, Gary. A big, big house. That's my father's house. Okay, here's the truth. You're going to get a weed whacker, and you're going to have some chores. You're going to have to paint Gary's house, too, okay? You're not going to get your own plot of land, okay? You're not going to get to heaven and God's going to go, good job. Here's some more stuff. You know what heaven is about? Heaven is about being in the garden and about being in community with one another. And guess what? God gave Adam and Eve jobs and he's going to give us jobs too. And it's going to be about sharing and it's going to be about caring and it's going to be about coming alongside one another and being with one another. Heaven is not going to be about you. It's going to be the complete opposite. And here's the truth. Some of us are not going to get kept out of heaven because we were evil people. Some of us are going to get kept out of heaven because God's going to look at us and go, I don't really think you're going to like it here. Yeah. See, because all those years where I blessed you and I gave you things and you just used them for you and yourself and your tribe, that's not what we do here. And see, and that was the test. And you were told, that short little hobbit pastor, like he told you. And you had plenty of time and you just blew him off. And were like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And you, I mean, I told you and you just kept on doing it. So here's the thing. It's very obvious I gave you all these years on earth and you still ignored it and you still couldn't get it down. I just, I really don't think this is the place for you. Because this is a place where you don't come first. It's where I and others go first. And remember that command I told you, love God and love your neighbor? You, 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 you didn't do that. You like only did that as far as it was a comfort for you. But the moment that I got uncomfortable for you, the moment that you had to sacrifice for somebody else, where you had to put somebody before you, literally, you didn't do that. So I don't really think you're going to like it here in heaven. You probably should go to the other place where they're devouring each other and fighting over things and doing things their way. See, the thing is, is, why is it so important? Because we're practicing what we are going to do for eternity. And that's what's going on. That's what's, that's what's really happening. And so, here's the thing, okay? For most of us, most of us, how we live, we live in a me-centered kingdom, an I-come-first kingdom, right? And it looks a little bit like this. It, it looks like, Live, save, give, right? Live, save, give. You get your paycheck, and you're like, man, I'm going to live. I'm going to live it up. I got money to upgrade my TV. I got money to buy a new car. I got money to to do this. I got money. What about saving? Ah, maybe, you know, only if I can't think of something to do with it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, we live and then we save. Or for some of you, you finally decide to pay off some debt, right, instead of just continually racking it up. So you live, you save, or you pay off debt, and then you, 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 you give. Then you give. You, you tip God. Good job, God, you know. But here's the thing. Kingdom-seeking living, kingdom-seeking living looks like this. It's swapped. It's reversed. Give, save, live. Right off the top, give it away. What do I do with the rest? I save. Or I pay off my debt. I want to get out of debt. I don't, want the, I don't want the bank to have to tell me where my money goes. I don't want the credit card company to have to tell me where my I want to be in charge. I, I, I want to be able to control this. I want to be able to show self-control by getting control back. So I pay it off. Well, what do you do with it? Then you live off of that. Some of you go, well, that's no fun. <laughs> well, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a means to an end or do you want to have fun? It's your choice, not mine. You do what you want. But what do you want to do? Do you want to have fun or do you want to be a means to an end? Do you want to be you seeking, me seeking, or do you want to be kingdom seeking? And here's the thing. When you prioritize, when you prioritize something or someone other than us financially, it is evidence of submission to God's kingdom. When you do this, this is a practical tell that you are prioritizing God's kingdom first. So here's what I want to do. Last week, I left you with a question, right? Where do we start? We start with the question. Next week, we're going to talk about budgeting, okay? And then the series is over, okay? And then I'm going to go on vacation for a week so you all can, all can be mad at me and calm down, and then I'll come back, all right? <laughs> but here's what I want to challenge you to do this week, all right? I just want to challenge For two months, this is what I want you to do. For two months, I want you to choose a percentage of your income and give it away as soon as you get paid. Again, I told you, I give away 15%. Kate and I's income, okay? You choose whatever you choose what percentage you want to live on, okay? But I want you to choose a percentage of your income, and I want you to give it away as soon as you get paid. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, see, this is a campaign to raise funds for the church. I knew it. Here, no, I told you last week, and I'm being dead serious. I don't care who you give it to. There's a lot of great non-for-profit organizations. There, there's organizations that help, you know, police officers who have been killed and their families. I've given to some of those organizations. There are, there are, are great organizations. I can tell you exactly what they are, and many of the people in the room can tell you what they are, who help wounded warriors and people who have been disabled from, from military service. I mean, there are ones that help kids who are going through cancer. I can give, if you want a list of great organizations that I have given to myself, I will give you a list of organizations that you can give to. It does not need to be the church okay however how what I have told you and what I've explained to you is that Kate and I we have chosen to invest in the mission of Anchored Hope Church we have chosen that because we believe that we are investing in things that last for eternity that affect people and children's and youth and adults and families' souls. That is what we believe in. We think that it is a worthy cause. We value that. And so that is what we primarily give to. And I want you to choose what you're going to give to. Again, it does not have to be the church. You give to whatever it is. But I'm just telling you, we're doing some cool things here at Anchored Hope Church. And i got to tell you a story. I don't think he's in the room. I think he's teaching kids, right? I want to tell you, so, so this week... God has been laying on my heart a lot of things lately, okay? Been staring at that lava lamp real close, okay? And God's been talking to me. And one of the things that God laid on my heart is that we really need to invest in our children's and our youth. 
like full in. This is the next big thing that needs a little steroid shot, and we need to bump it up. And so we've done a great job thus far, but we're in a new season here at Anchored Hope Church. And I, I want to invest in our children's and our youth like we have never done before. Because when I think about it, there is no, there is no greater investment than the generation that is behind us. Amen? Amen. I am not going to lose a single teenager or a kid to Satan just because church was boring, okay? So I'm willing to invest everything in our children and our youth to make sure that our family trees continue to change and continue to grow towards God. I am invested in that. And we've done a great job so far, but we need new tools. We need new things to be able to take this. And so one of the big things that God laid on my heart is a new curriculum for our babies, toddlers, kids, and our youth. And so we talked about it at our leadership team this week. Pastor Kerry and Pastor Wes have been very close. We've talked about it. And we're going to completely revamp our youth ministry and our children's ministry. We're going to invest in a curriculum that we've never had before that's going to be great. It's going to be great for kids with learning disabilities and who need AIDS and all kinds of different things. It's going to take our teachers to another level. And with our youth, Ashley, who you saw up here leading on the keyboard, Ashley is going to be our new leader of our youth. And she's going to take youth. Yeah. So that Carrie, Pastor Carrie and Pastor West can be fully involved in children and make it the best that it possibly can. And Ashley's going to take youth, and Ashley's going to take youth and run with it. And we're going to actually this fall launch a youth service for middle school and high school that includes small groups. And we're going to make it the best thing. We're going to have a midweek church service for youth using this curriculum. And we're going to take this, we're going to take this where exactly it needs to go. And we want to invest in it heavily because we are not going to lose a single teenager and we are not going to lose a single kid to Satan. We're invested in that. And so this week, Pastor Kerry and Pastor Wes and I, we went, we went to lunch on Sunday to talk about it. And the Spees were there and Bo was there. And I'm talking about it, and we're, we're talking about how much it's going to cost. You know, we just, we just did a budget a couple months ago for this year, and obviously this is going to be more than we had planned to spend on curriculum. And so, you know, we're talking about how we're going to do it. Bo calls me on Sunday night. He goes, hey, I heard you and Wes and Carrie talking about that curriculum. How much is that going to cost? And I said, well, you know, this is how much we have budgeted for it, but this is what we're going to do. And he goes, I just, I just got a bonus. I want to give you $1,000 to be able to buy the curriculum for the teenagers. Wes, or Bo has paid for a year's worth of our curriculum for our teenagers to be able to do what we need to do this, this next year. <laughs> Bo did that. Bo did that. So when you pick up your kids, just give them a hug, but don't say anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then just whisper in his ear, I love you. And he'll be like, there's so many people telling me they love me and touching me today. It made me feel weird. This is a weird church, right? But you know what? Bo heard what we talked about last week, and Bo told me, he said, I want to use my stuff to make stories. I want to use my stuff to make stories. So Monday night, we had a leadership team meeting, and we talked about what this was going to take. We need a new TV. The Dillos are going to buy a new TV for one of our rooms so that we can do this. Someone else this morning, the Hakeems, they said, well, how much do we have left? They said, we're going to take care of that. We are investing in people's lives because it's going to make a difference in eternity, and it's going to change the direction of some of our family trees. Again, you invest wherever it is you want to give, but I'm just telling you, the impact we're going to have is going to be spoken about for decades. And 
I also am finding out that many of you, you don't watch my services online because on July 4th, we were online exclusively and some people were saying some things on social media and they said, I had a dream you planted a church. And I said, yeah, we are. My dream, this is another dream that God has given me and it's going to happen. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you. I've told, I've told somebody, this is, it's, just, it's just a done deal. Our nine-year anniversary is this August, and God told me, by your 10-year anniversary, you guys have been around for a decade, it's, it's time to do something else. We are going to plant a second location in Wright City. Yeah. And I said that in my July 4th series or sermon, and y'all didn't watch it. And so people were like, you, what, when did that happen? I was like, I talked all about it on July 4th. Did you watch it? And they're like, yeah, I did. Remember? <laughs> told you it was great. Right? But we are. We, we are going to. Because you know what? We could keep filling this place and filling this place and filling this place and make this place greater and make this place greater. But you know what? I feel like God, the community of Wright City is calling for us. Wright City needs an anchored hope church. And it ain't going to end with Wright City. I'm telling you that right now. Number one, you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. But it's not going to stop at Wright City. We're going to continue to plant churches, and I'm going to continue to preach at them, and we're going to continue to take our, our, our talent and the things that God has given us, and we're going to continue to reach more people and reach more communities. That's what we're going to do because we're invested in inspiring people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And there are communities, and there are people who have been burned by the church, had bad experiences with the church. Again, not God and not Jesus, but selfish churches who have been me-centered, who have been internally focused. And it's time for us to go out there to be a church for people who don't like a church and change directions of people's lives and lead them to an inspiring relationship with God. That's what we want to do. That's what we're focused on. And I would love it if you would be a part of it. I would love it if you would make it possible. And some of you would love to be a part of it. Do you know the only thing that's keeping you from being a part of it and helping us make this impact on this time here on earth is your relationship with money. It's because you can't control your spending. It's because you can't tell yourself no. And man, not only is that going to keep us from doing what God is calling us to do, but it's it's also going to keep you from being who God wants you to be. And I'm just telling you, if you keep it up, then God might say to you one well, time, not that you don't belong here, but just, just tell you, I just, you, you may not like it here. You know, Jesus, he had another story. He said this at one, one time. He was talking to a man. There was a man that came up to, to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, 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 I've done it all. I've done everything. I've followed the whole law. I've done everything to a T. What else in the world could I possibly do? And do you know what Jesus told them? There's only one thing left to do. Go and sell all of your possessions and then come and follow me. And what a lot of people miss in that story is that Jesus was not inviting him to be a follower like be a Christian. You know what Jesus was inviting that man to be? Jesus was inviting that man to be a disciple. We could have had one more disciple. We could have maybe not had the, the 12. We could have had a 13 because this guy could have been the 13th man. He was invited. He goes, yeah, great. You're just what I'm looking for. Go and sell all your possessions and then come join my team. And the man put his head down in disappointment. And it says he walked away. Do you know why? Because that money was still his master. Still his master that beat out God. So Jesus, he turns to his disciples who are watching all this, and he says, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And he goes on, and the disciples, they heard this, and they were greatly astonished. They were worried. Then who can be saved? Because Jesus, they, they're all rich. They all have so much. Who then can be possibly saved? Who then will even make it to heaven? And Jesus looked at them and said, well, with man, this is impossible. If you tell a man, do better, they, they will always fail. But with God, everything is possible. And Peter looked at him, and Peter said this. He said, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And God looks at them and says, eternity. See, here's the thing. Will you, when you meet God, say, God, I gave everything up to follow you. I even gave what I had earned. I gave what I had worked for. I used what you gave me as a tool to be a means to an end. I didn't just give my energy. I didn't just give my time. I didn't just serve with my hands. I gave my money away because I would not let it be a master of my life. Will you say that? Or will God look at you and go, I don't really think you're going to like it here. Because this is not a place of selfishness. This is a place of giving. This is a place of submission. This is a place of love and mercy. And we are not about ourselves here on this kingdom. We are, we are about others. What will you say? And who will you be? Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, as we come to you this morning, We all know, we can all judge ourselves. We know where our relationship with money stands. We know the desires of our heart, the desires of our flesh. We know the things that we take joy in. We know how much we invest. We know how much we put into ourselves, how much, how much we devour God, this morning, I think all of us this morning are feeling a call, a tug on our hearts. God's calling us and saying, you have a relationship with money that's unhealthy. It's become, it's become your Lord. It's become your master. It's become that last thing that you have not chosen to surrender to me, and it's keeping me from intimacy with you. It's keeping me from, from, from you being surrendered to me, and I... I want to be close to you. I want intimacy with you. I want to be married to you. I want, but you, you won't give me this part of your life. You won't give me this part of your heart. You won't trust me with this. You trust me with everything, but you won't trust me with this. And I don't know what else I need to do to convince you that I'm, that I'm for you, that I am not against you, that I want what's best for you, that I want to do things in your life that give your life purpose, that give your life meaning, that, that, that make you a means to an end, that, that bless other people, the things that I could show you and the stories that could be told. I have it all planned out. I have it right here in front. But you, you won't give me this. You won't lay this at my feet. You won't surrender this area of your life to me. And I, 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 just, I, just, I just want to know why. Why? God, we all feel that heaviness, that weight, that tension today. God, will you, will you help us to at least practice this for two months to try 
to try to reverse the order in which our kingdom is run and go from having a, a me-centered kingdom to, to a God-seeking kingdom. God, would you this morning in my life help me to reprioritize? Instead of living and saving and then giving, would you help me to give? Would you help me to save? And would you help me to live? And yeah, that's going to require me to say no to myself. I may not be able to upgrade this. I may not be able to get, get this done as, as much as often. I might have to sell some things. I might have to sacrifice some things. But God, isn't that kind of the point? Is it really giving? Is it really surrendering? Unless it, it's a sacrifice, unless it hurts a little, unless it takes away from us. But God, would you, would you show us the difference that it could make? Would you help us to trust you? Would you help us to have faith in this decision as much as we do all the other things? God, if, we, if we're unhappy at our job, if it's destroying us, then, 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 then give us the bravery to, to leave that job, to, to, to choose, to take a demotion, to take a pay cut, to, to go and do something that we, that we love that can help us be a means to an end and then help us to adjust our money. Don't let money be the boss of us. Don't let money... Keep us at a job that we hate or a job that stresses us out. Help us to choose to, to do something different and then help us with our relationship with money so that we can be a means to an end. But God, that can't happen until I reprioritize, until I choose to surrender everything I have to you. So God, would you help everybody in the room? Would you help me, God, to choose to do that? God, we love you. We give you this. Would you help us? during this week to live this out. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to leave a donation, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to speak with someone from Anchored Hope, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.